I watch too many movies. I watch too much TV. Anything else to add? I'm head of HR. The world needs more robots. I still have a page of notes. I wasn't paying attention. Our lightning rail. No, I'm not ready. I'll just wing it. I'm in the zone. Roll for initiative. May the force be with you. Always. Classic. Whatever makes you a discerning The Discerning Geeks Portal. Welcome back, Discerning listeners, to the Discerning Geeks Portal, where each week we take a discerning look into all things geek. And my name is David, and as always, I am joined with my best friends, David, Todd, and Andrew. Guys, how are we doing this evening? I'm better after a nap. I'm taking a nap. (laughs) I am the nap. You are the nap. Todd, you just made it back from Dragon Con, uh, well, a few days ago. Yeah. Um, that was, well, from what we could tell, enjoyable. And for our listeners, oh, we'll, yeah. have, we'll have an episode covering that more in detail as well. But uh, why don't you give us a sneak peek? It, it was as good as it has been in years past? Uh, sort of. It was definitely different. Um, it was smaller which was good uh because last few years it's been a little too crowded but of course it was smaller and not crowded for bad reasons uh and there were uh, some safety measures in place that kind of made it uh that was that were kind of necessary evils that might have uh been a little bit weird and maybe a little bit annoying but at the same time it was better than not having a con at all yeah it, it was it was different but um still surprisingly active um i i think this was the first time where i went to something during every single time slot possible on a friday or in fact i think i usually take at least one time slot off for a meal and i didn't do that at all on friday and that might be the first time i've ever gone an entire day doing back-to-back things i think i did leave one panel 15 minutes early to try to cram in a, a, a meal real quick before the the next thing but i didn't take a full time slot off so uh so despite everything it was still busy there was there were still things to do yeah. and i'd encourage all of our listeners to check out our facebook page the discernal geeks portal you can see lots of pictures and updates that Todd posted while he was at con and even a few events that he did afterwards um, gives you a really good idea of, of what dragon con is kind of like for him and, and some of the cool stuff that goes on there. So definitely check out our Facebook page for that. And also just like us while you're there. That way you'll see all the episodes when we release them and see any other cool stuff that we post while we're on there. Dave, Andrew, how about you guys? Y'all have a good week. Me. Yeah, it's we've taken a week off because of of Dragon Con, um, so we had to take a, a week off in recording. So it's been a little while since we got to talk. Andrew's got uh, a new recording partner with him in the studio today. Do you want to tell him who's with you, Andrew? A little crackhead for a dog named Jack, and <laughs> I'm having to mute myself a lot here because he's. What are you doing? I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> so this is what we're going to get from Andrew for this recording session. I thought he said he drugged him. <laughs> As he has a new puppy. So, uh, but let's go ahead and, well, there he is. Um, let's go ahead and get into our episode. 
Todd, why don't you tell them what we're reviewing and uh, tell them about what we're what we're doing this week? Okay, we are reviewing the Chronicles of Narnia: The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Uh, and I think there have been previous versions of this, but they've usually been associated with TV, like they've been TV movies or miniseries or something. This is the actual theatrical version. Taking refuge outside of London during the Blitz of World War II, four siblings accidentally stumble through a professor's wardrobe and into a magical world called Narnia, where they are the prophesied kings and queens destined to save the realm from an evil witch. Uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, very long title movie, is starring Tilda Swinton as Jadis the White Witch, William Mosley as Peter Pevensey, Anna Popplewell as Susan Pevensey, Shandar Keynes as Edmund Pevensey, George Henley as, excuse me, Georgie Henley as Lucy Pevensey, James McAvoy as Mr. Tumnus, Jim Broadbent as Professor Kirk, Kieran Shaw as Ginnebrick, or maybe Ginnebrick, uh, James Cosmo as Father Christmas, Ray Winstone and Don French as Mr. and Mrs. Beaver, Rupert Everett as Mr. Fox, and Liam Neeson as Aslan. Uh, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe uh, was released on December 9th, 2005, with a rating of PG. It was written by Ann Peacock, Andrew Adamson, Christopher Marcus, and Stephen McFeely. Of course, it was based on the 1950 novel by C.S. Lewis. And Marvel fans might recognize the names Marcus, or excuse me, Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. Uh, they would go on to write the next two narnia movies plus thor the dark world captain america winter soldier captain america civil war avengers infinity war and avengers endgame you missed one they also wrote captain america the first avenger which was reviewed in episode 55 of this podcast uh they were also the co-creators and executive producers of the agent carter tv series uh this movie was directed by andrew adamson and where you can find it is on disney plus all right, let's get into it. What did you guys think of this movie? I defer to Todd. <laughs> you defer to it, Todd? Okay. It, it was fine. It was fine. There, um, It was fine. It didn't blow me away. Uh, other than maybe visuals, there was nothing super stellar about it. And, and maybe even the visuals weren't super stellar. They were kind of like excellent but maybe not stellar. And it had occasional bits of charm, uh, a couple interesting religious overtones, but it's also kind of a weird movie. It's and some of it, I think would probably have to be blamed on the source material. I can't remember if I've read the novel or not. And if so, it was actually something that I read as a kid, because I do vaguely remember reading at least one of the Narnia books as a kid. But to me, it's just weird giving kids weapons to fight in a war and then becoming kings and kings of a land they know nothing about. Did you say kings and kings? I think you meant kings and queens. Wow, you're off to a great start tonight. And also destined to become kings and queens when they aren't even old enough to vote in the world they come from, and yet they're supposed to be kings. I don't know. All of that is weird. Maybe we can go into more details about that later, but it was it was fine. But okay. Santa gave them weapons. Because Christmas is all about shoving a sword down someone's chest, right? Yeah, here's some weapons, kids. Don't poke your eyes out. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Especially give the four-year-old the potion. 
Hey, don't forget one of the greatest Christmas movies ever is about a kid with a BB gun. It's true. That's true. So I guess uh, I, this begs the question, um, is this a, a, a time era, something that, that's harder for our generation to swallow? And I say that very justly, you know, just our grandparents' generation giving a five-year-old a pocket knife, nobody would have blinked an eye. Nowadays, oh my gosh, call Child Protective Services. You know, I can't believe we would do that. Um, I would. Yeah. Back a little bit further back in time, you start getting where, you know, you start thinking about these fairy tales and, and what kids were given and, and how they were were taught to act. And they were expected to do grown-up things at very, very young ages. You know, we're talking 12, 13-year-olds doing very adult things. So for us, we're like, well, they're just kids. Can't think about them like that. But is that just a sign of our times? What do you guys think? Well, I, I don't want to get sidetracked, but I feel like definitely, at least nowadays, the kids that do end up like stabbing themselves or hurting themselves by accident with weapons are the ones that weren't exposed early on to like learning how to hunt and stuff. So I don't know. It's a breath of fresh air. Well, I'm, st- I'm still a firm believer that there is a lot of children alive today that shouldn't be. But, you know, I'm pro- I'm probably a horrible, horrible person because I, I, I totally believe in the Darwin Awards. I really do. And I think society is too safe because I think half the reason you have half the problems that you have is because there's a lot of people alive that should not have made it. But, hey, maybe I'm just an asshole. So here's what's going to happen. Okay, the second you turn 18 the next year of your life, only half the 18-year-olds will survive. You're just going to go around killing each other, Okay. No, we're not talking about like Battle Royale or or, or so, Hunger Games. I'm not talking about like throwing them into an arena and being like, okay, go for it. No, I'm just talking about like, you know, there used to be a time where, you know, when the kid had a penny and he was heading for the light, the, the electrical socket, grandpa just watched him because the theory was grandpa was like, he'll do it once and that's it. You see what I'm saying? Like, that was how you learn, was you, you did something stupid, and you learn from it. You know, like, you don't touch a hot stove. Well, you only touch it once, you know what I mean? And and it's not that people, and it's really, and, and probably really, truly, it's not that people were cruel or didn't want to protect their children. It was just, there is a different time. I mean, you have to understand that, for example, in the early 1900s and the late 1800s, kids walked around with guns. I mean, they did because the parents had to work on the farm and the kid was supposed to go to school if he was lucky enough to go to school and wasn't working on the farm. And he had a pistol. He was given a musket, you know, or or just a straight up pistol. Why? Because he needed something to protect himself with as he walked to school. Why? Because there were still plenty of wild animals running around, still snakes, things that along those lines in which nobody was going to be anywhere close to help them. And so they needed a weapon. Now. As time has progressed and, you know, 
wild animal attacks have dropped dramatically. The the likelihood of running into something bad has dropped dramatically, et cetera, so forth. The need for that protection has also dropped dramatically to where maybe it was just a, a pocket knife or, or maybe all you needed to do was your fists. Um, and, and so it could be a sign of our time in the fact of that. But it is also one of those where we do have to also understand that these kids are in the middle of the war. I mean, when the movie opens, they're being bombed by the Nazis. Um, the parents have to stay in order to keep things running, but luckily they're able to, to be moved north or transferred to temporary homes out of the bombing area. And so in a way they've got to take care of themselves because they're not necessarily being taken in by family. I mean, if they can, great, but most of the time these are just people opening their houses. And so they still got to kind of take care of themselves where it's like, Hey, we got to look after each other. And so there's that respons- responsibility. When you're in the middle of a, of a bombing zone for so long, you probably grow up pretty quick. And I would say you, you could make the argument either, either way. Well, so let me kind of compare it to two movies or, or two things that we've already reviewed, right? We had just reviewed The Lord of the Rings, in the Lord of the Rings, at the siege of, um, uh, no, 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 the Helm's, the Deep. Helm's Deep, they're giving kids swords and spears. If mm-hmm. you're big enough to hold it, you got to come and help protect yourself. Is that any different than, you know, what was happening in this movie? Yes, but it's called for desperate measures. In one of our favorite books, you know, and movies that we reviewed, we did Ender's Game. Ender starts off, he's like 12 years old. No, younger than that. Ender is six years old at the beginning of Ender's game and still only 11 at the time of his final test near the end of the book. So when we're talking these characters in the Chronicles of Narnia, they're much older than he was. Yeah, but you can't really compare Ender's game. I don't think you, I don't think it's fair to compare to Ender's game. And the reason is, is because Ender's physical fights were against bullies. And that was important. And he did have the training to to fight them because he learned it because his brother bullied him. He learned it. He he learned from his from Peter, and he also learned from if he wanted to survive his brother Peter, he better know how to fight. And so that's how he was able to survive the bullies. The problem with the theory that you're coming up with, though, and this is no offense to you or anything, is that don't forget a huge premise of Ender's Game is they lied to Ender. Oh no no I agree no no that I mean, Ender I, had no clue. Spoiler redacted until the very end. Right. But he was doing it, right? So, and this is not a new trope that we're dealing with in sci-fi and fantasy. You know, I, there's a whole lot. And you go back way out to the beginning, you know, of fairy tales and things like that. And it's a very common thing to see young kids taking on these very adult roles and and coming into great power with great responsibility okay, when they're Spider-Man. very, very young. And, and so to me, it's not that out of place. This is a very typical fantasy fairy tale. It was written for kids. So what you're trying to do is, you know, put those kids in a position where they are imagining themselves as the hero. And, and that's the stories we all read as a kid growing up. And so it's not any different from that. And so I don't feel like it's that out of place. That's just me. 
But I'm with you. Andrew, what did you think? It, you're, you're kind of the youngest of us. Um, what did you think of this movie? I think every 14-year-old should be given a sword and a shield. <laughs> and I should be able to carry around a sword like a badass at school. And um, I, see, I hear your groaning, Todd. I hear your groaning of disapproval, but hear me out. Okay. I should be able to carry around a sword at school. The Discerning Geeks portal is officially against violence in schools. And then cut people's heads off with it. The Discerning Geeks portal is officially against beheading. Like no. your dragons. <laughs> That's detention. That's detention. Yeah, I will allow you to carry a sword to school. I will. But I will not allow you to just randomly cut people's heads off. Okay? It wouldn't be random. I would be cutting off half of the population. The Discerning Geeks portal is officially against Andrew. I, I, hang on. There's an explanation for this. I think a lot of the problems that we have when it comes to school violence is the fact that for some odd reason that kids have gotten into this, and, and we're going to get totally off track, I can already tell. That is confirmed. Kids have gotten into this weird idea where, first of all, they, they have no respect for life, which is the first big problem. I don't know how, uh, there's all kinds of theories we could come up with on why why I believe that's a truth statement. But a lot of children have no respect for life. Um, because it used to be like in the 1950s and 60s when your mom and your dad grew up, if you had a fight with a guy, you went out back and you, you had a fist fight and that's it. That was, oh, it was done. Whoever won, that was it. You were done. And there was no beef, no gripe, no nothing. It was over. Now it's this weird, oh, I've got to prove myself to be some kind of gangster or whatever the hell it is. And so I would allow a sword in school if you brought back dueling to where if you really had a beef with someone, fine, go, go have a duel. You know, and first blood, whoever draws first blood, that's it. It's over. It's done. Just like an old fist fight. Or maybe just bring back boxing. I don't know. But you can't just randomly just be like, I'm just going to cut this kid's head off because I feel like it. No. That's not good. That's bad. That That's bad. That That's bad. That, that Todd's right. That's the tension. <laughs> At least a week. At least a yeah. week. At least yeah. a week for cutting <laughs> his head off. So his head off. You know, so I'm like, I'm kind of, I halfway agree with you in the fact that I could see how it could be beneficial if everybody was packing. Holy crap. The Discerning Geeks portal is also officially against everybody packing. And it's like, okay, how dare you insult my girlfriend? I, you know, and the glove across the face. And, and so like, then, you know, thou shall be cast down. I will split thy head from thy neck. It's it's fencing. It'd be first blood. In other words, whoever got one little drop of blood off of somebody wins. That's it. I think that would be an amazing way to deal with conflict. No fights, no hiding around. Teacher sees two students arguing, gives them fencing swords. Oh, my. Yeah. Go into the gym. Sure. That'd be awesome. Sweet Christmas. How did we get here? Well, let's 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 get back to our, our movie. Good idea. So this is based on the, the C.S. Lewis novel, um... A children's book. Um, I don't know if it's really a children's book, but okay, go ahead. Oh yeah, no, it's definitely a children's book. That's exactly the 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 demographic he wrote it for. Again, okay. again, this is kind of the. No, see, I, I'm not sure about that, and and the reason I'm saying that is because I don't think J.R.R. Tolkien wrote Lord of the Rings necessarily just for children, but I think children can enjoy it. But I, and I'm, I, but I'm also going to say the same thing about C.S. Lewis. I think C.S. Lewis wrote a book that he thought was going to be good. I don't think he specifically wrote it for, for a kid. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe there's somebody that wrote down. No, I can, I can actually tell you having read his biography and, and the reasons that he wrote it, he wrote it specifically for children. So it was a okay. young adult children's book. Okay. 
Um, that was his demographic that he was writing it for. Just like Tolkien wrote The Hobbit as a children's book. That's why the themes and the the the, the way they feel very different from Lord of the Rings. The Lord of the Rings was not written as a children's book. The Hobbit was. C.S. Lewis wrote The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, his whole Narnia series, as children's books. That's, that was the, his goal. And he wrote them to as an allegory to many Christian beliefs and principles that he wanted kids to be able to explore. It's kind of different. You know, we're old fogies. Um, I remember reading um, C.S. Lewis, I think the first time I was in middle school. And at first, I'll be honest, I can remember just thinking, what a dumb title. I had people trying to convince me to read this book. And I'm like, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, that is such a dumb, I mean, it's got to be a dumb book. It's a dumb title. Then I read it, and I, I remember doing a book report on it, and I think I entitled the book report, you know, Don't Judge a Book by Its Cover, because, you know, there's so much more into this story that is so good that you have to get kind of past the title. Andrew, have you read, I know you read a chapter or two to my children, but have you read the whole book? I have not. Okay. Oh. Um, I don't know. Maybe Jackson does not agree with that. Yeah, apparently Jackson has. I don't know. He's like, I've read it all the time. <laughs> yeah. Jackson's like, why haven't you not read this? Uh, how about you, Dave? You read it? No, I've not read it. You know, right? Mm. Oh. Um, I encourage I need you to read it. it. I've watched the movie. <laughs> um, that one of the things that I do like is it is a very close adaptation to the movie. I mean, to the book, you know, and that's very rare. Um, you know, anytime a, a movie can pull off a very close adaptation, we talked about it with Lord of the Rings, then that's a, that's a positive. That's a, a great thing. If you can get it really, really close. I've read this one to all of my kids. Uh, every single one of them love it. Um, and, and sometimes they wanted me to read it to them multiple times. I can see the hesitation for adults kind of watching this movie. You know, it's only so, so again, kind of having to, to be a parent. And, and putting myself in their position, they love it. And I love it as a, um, I'm going to use a really strange terminology here, a gateway, like a gateway drug to the fantasy and, and sci-fi worlds for the children. Because, um, you know, I'll be honest, they don't get a lot of times the, the Star Trek. Why do they look funny? Why do they dress like that? I don't understand. It, it's, it's not designed for them. And so... Like, you know, watching an episode of Star Trek doesn't turn my children on to the the geek that I like to entrust them with, the the fantasy, the sci-fi. But something like Lord of the Rings, and, well, not Lord of the Rings, that's a little too violent. Um, something like C.S. Lewis, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the book and the movie, is a great gateway to get them into, wow, I like this fantasy stuff. I like this imagination that what? I can, Conan is too violent. What are you talking about? Yeah. yeah. Um, that I could walk through a secret door somewhere and end up in another world and become a King or a queen and save that world um, and interact with all these strange creatures and beings. That to me is, is magical. And, and that's one of the things that I like about it. What about you, Dave? I know you kind of first deferred to Todd, but what did you think about this movie? The film itself is fine. Um, it's, it's a decent watch, and, and uh, it's, there's nothing particularly too outrageous about it. Um, there are there are some things that kind of annoy me about it, but we'll, we'll worry about that after a while. 
because I do have some serious problems with a few things. But other than that, as, as far as the film itself goes, it's fine in a way. Uh-huh. It's just that there is kind of like a weirdness to the, um, to the separation between the forces, I think, because there's not, there's not any crossover. It's, it's, uh, which maybe that's kind of not really being that fair because I guess Lord of the Rings is the same way where, you know, all orcs and goblins are bad and that kind of thing. And in this one, it was just kind of the same way. It's just that I think part of that is because I have a bias with minotaurs. I don't think minotaurs are as bad as people think they are from a fantasy standpoint. Welcome to Discerning Expose. This week, misunderstanding minotaurs. They're half man, half bull. But, are they all bad? We discuss. I, I, I really actually enjoy that mythological creature. And I know that most minotaurs that we have run across in mythology and fantasy do tend to be of the more brutal nature. It's probably the best way to describe it, brutal. Not necessarily bad, not necessarily good, but definitely brutal because they're, they're beast-like. But it kind of did bother me that in, in, this, in this film... There is this separation where all the Minotaurs were like, yay, let's all be on the Ice Witch side. And it's like, okay. And I don't know, that, that, that kind of bothered me for some, for some reason. Maybe it was just bias. Isn't that kind of the point, though, that there's a clear separation? So you can draw that like a uh, biblical reference that, you know, here's the demons and then here are the God and the angels. Well, yeah, but see, I guess that might be one of the reasons why I did have a problem with it, because... The Minotaurs are not, if you look at the other creatures on the Ice Queen's or the Ice Witch's um, side, they are very demonic. They are very goblin-esque, the vampiric type looking, uh, strange, leathery, all that kind of stuff. While the side of good had kind of like the beavers and, and the centaurs and, and, um, uh, phoenixes and things like this and and the minotaurs are far closer to the good um sides look more than the evil sides look and so i guess that's one of the reasons why i kind of s- sat there and pondered is it was it was it just because of the leader was it just because of the of the of the what of the one minotaur guy that was kind of like the general was he just that strong that all the other Minotaurs followed him? Or was it that they all were like, yeah, we want to be with her? And and I don't know. Maybe, like I said, I just had a weird feeling about it. I'll be honest. I'm trying to remember back to the book. And I don't know that they specifically mentioned Minotaurs much at all in the book. I do know that in the book, there are certain ones like the Giants um, that fight on both sides. There are good giants and there are bad giants. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in the movie, it just helps to differentiate the lines because it's so chaotic watching a, a fight anyways. You know, it's almost like what most other movies do and just kind of put them in different colored armor so you can kind of tell which side is which. You know, otherwise everybody just blends in and it's like, I don't know who's on, who's winning, who's on what side or who's, you know, am I supposed to cheer when that guy hits somebody or, or be sad? Um, I think that was probably more just a, a visual kind of trick 
you know, to be like, all right, we got to pretty much have these guys be the good guys, these guys be the bad guys. Otherwise, everybody's going to get confused and not know who's on what side. So I think that was was part of it. This has been Misunderstanding Minotaurs, a discerning expose. If you are a Minotaur and you feel you have been misunderstood, call the National Minotaur Helpline at 1-555-I-Minotaur. Or, send an email to discerninggeeks at gmail.com, and one of our hosts may respond to you, probably Dave, because Dave cares about Minotaurs. Andrew, did I ask you yet what you thought of this? Um, you did. Did you ask Todd? Well, Todd went first, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, uh, do you want to just list off some negative, I mean positives, and then we'll get into negative. Yeah, let's go ahead and, and talk about some positives for this. I think Dave mentioned some. I thought the the cinematography and the, the action was, was pretty on point. Holy Pumpkin Spice Latte Batman. This is the third consecutive episode where you've called it cinematography. There's no N in the middle. It's just cinematography. Every time you pronounce it cinematography, I get a craving for pumpkin pie, French toast, and big red chewing gum pretty fast moving kind of movie with a lot of action going on what what did you guys think what what some positives for this go ahead and give us one andrew yeah the cinematography was great uh the cgi was just okay though okay but i mean it takes a lot of things like word for word from the book yeah and honestly that's probably the best course of action because the book was amazing it really was <laughs> The book was really good. I haven't read all of it, but the bits and pieces I have read were just phenomenal. What about you, Todd? Did you have any any positives you wanted to kind of point out on this? Yeah, the weird thing is, even though I still think this is a good movie overall, not not stellar, but good, I've only got three good stuff items. I've got a ton of nitpicks, and they're all nitpicks. They're not deal breakers. They don't ruin the movie. But I've got so many of those that I might have to save some of those for lightning round. So let let me give you my three good things. I had forgotten that the movie begins the way it does with the scenes of, of the actual World War II. And those scenes were done really well. And they really do set the scene for how bad it was and, and how much those kids did need to get out of there. Lucy is definitely the best character. Dave, when we did the uh, Lord of the Rings reviews, uh, which I think part one and part two have both been released. In fact, part two released last night. So everybody check out those reviews. Uh, Dave, I know you talked about how much Viggo Mortensen was really necessary as Aragorn, how much the, the, the trilogy worked because of him. In a way, I think this movie worked because of the casting of Lucy, because you really do need at least one of the siblings to be really uh, a sympathetic character. And unfortunately she was about the only one. Uh, And you need her to be kind of adorable and also a good actress. And they picked a good one for, for Lucy. She really draws you in at the beginning, despite how young she is. Uh, and then we talked a little bit about special effects and, uh, even I, during my, my initial reaction said that some of the effects were kind of okay. Not that great. I think overall they were pretty good, maybe a little bit, too clean when it came to makeup costumes stuff like that like you know in lord of the rings they do a really good job of making people look dirty when they need to be dirty and everything was just too clean in this movie and it that felt a little bit off too but the effects for aslan were flawless just his character in general like moving around and, and how they did that 
did everything. Yeah, the, yeah. the movement, the overall look, the texture of his fur. I say flawless. You might be able to really be super nitpicky and say, well, I could kind of tell it was CGI. But let's face it, that was superb CGI. And even if he may not have moved 100% like a real lion, he was also a talking lion. So I, I could definitely give him credit for getting that part right. And I wouldn't be surprised if that was one of those things where somewhere in the pre-production discussions, they were like, if we get nothing else right, the one thing we have to do right is Aslan. Uh, because even if some of the other creatures are passable, and again, they were more than passable, but the one thing that had to be perfect was Aslan. And I think they, they knocked that out of the park. No, I agree. Cause I, I the, the range of emotion that you get out of this lion character was, was pretty impressive. Um, Dave, what about you? You got anything you want to add? For positives. Um, um, <laughs> nope. No, no. Okay. I did like some of the dialogue. There are times when some of it's a little corny. I, I'm a fan of, especially kind of at the beginning, um, some of the use of the music. There's the whole scene when right before all four of the children make it into Narnia through the wardrobe where they are kind of running from this housekeeper and, and trying to find a place to hide because they've just busted a window and messed up a, a suit of armor playing baseball. Um, and they're playing. No, 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 no. Not baseball. Oh, you're right. Cricket. Cricket. Sorry. Cricket. Cricket. Yep, it's, it's, yep. I'm totally wrong side of the pond. It's, 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 they're British, not American. <laughs> yep, you're okay, right. Got it. Continue. Sorry about that. You know, and they're playing this song and, and it's a go Johnny. Yeah. And, and, and you've got this, this song playing and then the way they just kind of build it up into them going through the, or through the wardrobe, I thought was really kind of cool. Todd and Dave discussed this later for some clarification. The song is Oh Johnny, Oh Johnny, Oh, a 1917 song popularized by the Andrew sisters in 1939. The song did not include the lyrics Go Johnny Go, which might make you think of Johnny Be Good from Back to the Future. Oh Johnny was played during the hide and seek scene earlier in the movie before Lucy enters the wardrobe alone, not later between the cricket game and all four siblings entering the wardrobe together. And there's a couple times that I think they did a good job with the music, just kind of melding with the movie really well. It's nothing outstanding. Like none of the songs are going to be things that you're like, oh, that's just a fantastic song. But I felt like they matched the movie well. Um, and that was something for me that I liked. Um, I don't know. Like I said, I mentioned the dialogue. There's a couple um, just lines. You know, there's the, the beaver comes out. And Peter is holding out his hand kind of like he would a dog, you know, like, oh, here. And the, the beaver just looks at him and goes, well, I'm not going to sniff it if that's what you want. And and they're like all thrown back because they're like, whoa, this is their first encounter with a talking animal. And I just thought that was hilarious. And then like very shortly after that, you know, they're like, no, we should trust him. I think we should trust him. He knows Mr. Tumnus or he said he knows Mr. Tumnus and one of the um girls is like he's a beaver he shouldn't be saying anything at all i just found some of those just fun and, and quirky and and it kind of puts you in the, the the place of where they're coming from 
Andrew did, or anybody else have any other positives before we kind of start rolling into some nitpicks directly about the movie? No, but okay, we could do an entire like different review on just the book. We could, yeah. So let's let's change gears. Let's get into some nitpicks and uh, see what uh, see what you guys thought uh, on the negative side. Who wants to go first? I can defer to Todd. <laughs> You're deferring to Todd a lot tonight. Okay. Todd, give us one or two. Oh, nope. Uh, Jack's wanted to go, I guess. <laughs> okay. And, and like I mentioned, a lot of mine are, are nitpicks, but I do have one kind of big issue and we've already kind of reached it a little bit talking about, you know, g- giving kids weapons and stuff like that. But in addition to that, I kind of have a, a problem with the prophecy that these kids are destined to be kings and queens. And yes, I know that if it's intended for kids, kids are probably not supposed to read that much into it. It's supposed to teach them lessons, blah, blah, blah. But you know me, I like things to make sense. And this whole prophecy about them being kings and queens of a world they're not even familiar with, it just seems a little weird. And I think my issue with it is it would it would make that prophecy a little bit more convincing and maybe even serve as a better lesson to kids that might be watching the movie or reading the books if they actually do a better job of showing what the qualities are of the kids and what potential they have. Because when you just kind of hand this prophecy to them, it's like saying that a foreign child could come over to the U.S. and run for president. And that's just not super realistic. And I know it's a fairy tale, so it's not supposed to be super realistic. I get that. But at least I think the movie could do a little bit better job justifying it and saying these are the qualities that the kids have as kids that is going to develop and, and, and enhance them as adults and make them leaders later on. And I don't think that the movie does a great job of convincing that. And in fact, you know, we've already compared this movie a little bit to Ender's Game. I actually have in my notes in this section in big letters compared to kids in Ender's Game. Those kids in Ender's Game, you know what their qualities were and why they were trusted to be soldiers and tacticians at such a young age because they had talent, they had potential, and we see that develop. And maybe the book does a better job of of delving into that. The movie, eh, not so much. When you think about it, like, religiously, God made man to watch over and take care of all the animals. So I that could be interpreted as a reference that the humans are, you know, they come from a world of, like, war, and then they're now, like, taking a step back and focusing on the animals and God's calling. Ooh, are we going to go all metaphysical? This could be fun. Yes, do it. Love it. My biggest problem, well, yeah, no, 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 let's see, is this my biggest problem? Hang on one second. My biggest problem is that has to be the worst freaking bomb shelter I've ever seen in my life. Welcome to Bomb Shelter Building Code Talk. Now here's your chief building inspector, Dave. At the beginning of the movie, when they're like getting bombed, and they all get to the bomb shelter. So you go to the bomb shelter. And don't get me wrong, I understand that they probably bought this bomb shelter because they were being bombed, and they were lucky enough to be able to afford one. And they put it in the backyard, which makes sense because that's where you're going to put it. My problem with it is it's half out of the ground and it's made out of like tin. And I'm like sitting there going, you're safer inside the house. Why are you, are you out here in this uncovered bomb shelter? Because it's not, I mean, it was like, I was just kind of looking at it going, wouldn't you have buried the whole thing? Because what would be the point? 
And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's how bomb shelters were done back then. I don't really know. But every bomb shelter I've ever seen is completely underground. It may only be like a foot or so under the ground, but there's some cover. You know what I mean? And this thing was like half out of the ground. And like I said, was, you know, a, a, a bomb shelter. So it's made out of like, you know, sheet metal. And I'm sitting there going, the house is safer. It's made out of masonry, you know? And... And so that was like my biggest problem with the whole movie was when they went to the bomb shelter and I'm like looking at it going, I, no, I'd rather be in a ditch, you know, just going to wow. go out front and lay in the ditch. Well, um, that I, was your biggest problem. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure it's supposed to be a bomb shelter. I think it's more just a cellar and you just yeah. are going into the cellar. I mean, that's because that's better than you know, being above ground. So, um, I, I could, that, that's I, just it. they were above ground. It wasn't even a cellar. No, they went it down, even, they went down in the salt, in the cellar. They no, went they there. Didn't. Go back uh, and watch it. They, watch run it. Out, <laughs> they run outside into the backyard and go into a tin shelter in the backyard as whether it's a cellar or a bomb shelter, it doesn't matter. It's still half out of the ground. So it's, it, can't, it doesn't even count as a shell as a cellar. This has been bomb shelter building code talk. Join us next time for more guidance into your home bomb shelter projects. Okay. I want to talk about, because I think actually Andrew was touching on something even more correct and, and even better. Um, and this is where, like I said, C.S. Lewis was writing this as an allegory for Christianity. Our Christian teachings are that we become kings and queens in God's image through Christ's sacrifice. So it has absolutely nothing to do with our character. Our character is flawed. Our character is sinful. Our character is the one who betrays his brothers to the the, you know, the evil witch. So they don't have any real recompense as to why they get to be king or queens. They get to be king or queens because of the sacrifice in this image, in this version, you know, that C.S. Lewis wrote from Aslan that forgives them of their sins and puts them in a position to be kings and queens of this savior, you know, that God has set us up to be. You know, there's even a, a Christian song, and I don't remember the name of it exactly, but there's a line in it. It talks about young orphans being kings and queens, and and that is what C.S. Lewis is trying to say. has nothing to do with the character of the kids. has nothing to do with really, you know, anything more than every child that reads this story can be a king or queen if they follow and, you know, submit and, you know, follow what the Bible tells them to do and, and to submit to um, believing in Christ as their Savior. And and that's kind of the point. So it's a little deep and it's not spelled out, but that's the lesson that I, you know, have with my kids as we read this story. You know, you are a king and queen. And, and the other part of the the story is, and they mention it several times, you know, once a king or queen of Narnia, always a king or queen. So once you have that forgiveness, once you believe, you can always have it. And so that's the the, the comparison there that I would I would throw out there. And 
I don't mind getting a little religious on us, but uh, but that's kind of where C.S. Lewis was writing the story. What else you got, Todd? What other nitpicks? I'm a little bit confused by the whole thing about proper names and, and basic animal names. Why is it that the fawn, the wolves, and even the horses get proper names, but the beavers are just called Mr. and Mrs. Beaver? <laughs> and, I, and I believe the fox is also just called Mr. Fox. So no, what is the no, distinction? No, no, hear there? me out. When have we ever seen another version of the beavers and the fox other than those three examples? What if they're going extinct? Huh? Do you ever think? Of okay. That? Well, okay. no, I didn't think of that. Now I was well, getting ready to say that maybe they were unique. That maybe because it's a fantasy world, maybe those were the only two beavers, and maybe that was the only fox, and maybe they were special in some way, and that's why why they were different. But then there might be a whole lot of horses, so they need to get individual names. So I, I was thinking that, but no, I didn't think about the whole going extinct thing. That, it could just be the version that. of Mister and Missus Smith. And, and, you know, like <laughs> Smith is like the, the most common last name in, in like the entire planet. And and so maybe it was just, you know, that was it, that they all happened to technically have the last name that was like Mr. and Mrs. Beaver because they were basically Mr. and Mrs. Smith. And Mr. <laughs> Fox was like Mr. Johnson. So it was just Mr. Johnson. It could just let's not oh. worry about that because that's a little too much. I'm just saying. <laughs> that's weird. I was getting ready to say the same thing and Johnson was the last name I picked. <laughs> I had in my head too. No, I hadn't thought about that. That's an interesting point. You know, because even the horse Philip, you know, and they kind of go through all of it. Yeah, I, I had never thought about why they get to be just poor old Mr. and Mrs. Beaver. <laughs> well, think about it this way. All right. It, it take don't think about Narnia. Just think about the, the world we live in right now. Most people name horses. Well, why? I don't know. It's just tradition. Sam, Bill, Ned. Betty, Mr. Ed, Mr. Ed, very rarely do you ever hear anybody that owns a horse. Just call it that's horse. Very. I mean, I don't think I've ever heard anybody that owns a horse call their horse horse. Mr. Horse. Okay. You know, in fact, I think there's one comedy movie somewhere, a Western comedy movie, and I cannot tell you what the name of it was, that that's the running joke is that the guy just calls his horse horse. <laughs> and nobody knows who he's talking about when he's like horse. And they're like, what? Well, and, then, and then taking this nitpick a step further, which animals are sentient and which animals are food? Or are there any animals that are food in Narnia? I assume that there's meat and I assume that there's a banquet and Mr. Tumnus might have even been serving some meat. But you've got so many creatures that are talking and sentient. So who who is it okay to kill? Because I was wondering that near the end of the movie when we see the, the adult versions of the kids and they're hunting a deer. Were they really hunting a deer, as in hunting it for food, the way somebody might in real life? Or were they having fun with a deer and just playing a game of, of catch or tag or whatever? Uh, was that animal sentient? And and if they were going to kill, then are the deer not sentient? Or are all animals sentient? It, it's just a, a weird thing where I'm not sure of the... Um, the biology that's going on, the zoology that's going on in this uh, realm of, of which animals are sentient, which are. Okay, so here's how it works. It's literally all the same thing, except it's really awkward, okay? Like, I'm sorry, man. I gotta eat. I gotta feed a family. Don't do it, Bill. I knew you since high school. Don't you do it. <laughs> Don't do it. Uh... It's like that movie Zootopia. Yeah, <laughs> it's all the same it's just really really uncomfortable for both sides sure anyone who object say i 
Well, maybe it's like uh, Native American hunting, you know, where they where they where when they kill an animal for food, they they think it's spirit for giving its body so that they may live. So maybe it's the same kind of thing, where it's like, yeah, there's there's going to be certain animals that are going to hunt and kill other animals, but maybe it is kind of like where it's not awkward, but it's more of a there is a penance after the kill in which there is the acknowledgement that this was a life as opposed to just being a thing. Yeah. I think they did that in the movie avatar too. Yeah. Or something like that where they, I forgot what it was. Yeah. Well, yeah. Remember he kills that one shadow cat or whatever. And she's like doing the Indian thing where she's like, you know, great mother or whatever it is, you know, take this back into your bosom or whatever. I forgot what it was. All right. What else we got? I know you got a list. We're getting closer to time. So I want to try to get in as many as we can before we get to our lightning round. Cue lightning noises, Joanna. Thank you. Not not yet. No. Damn it, Jim. I'm a robo voice, not a sound engineer. Stop telling Joanna what to do. Joanna, play the lightning noise. How did you get to be head of HR when you don't know people's roles? How many times do we have to tell you to stop trying to boss Joanna around? No, 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 no. Joanna. Okay. Okay. Here, Joanna. I'll pay you in Bitcoin. I only accept three forms of payment, cash, direct deposit, and Captain Marvel memorabilia. Is that like food for them? I, I, I don't understand robots. I think you and Joanna need to have a discussion sometime. Uh, that would make a very interesting podcast episode, and I would love to do that. Yeah, I feel like okay. the same for Joanna. Oh, nitpick! Why is it that three out of the four children are the whiniest kids I've ever heard in my life? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for God's sakes! Now, don't get me wrong. I understand that Peter's trying to keep this crap together, and he is losing his mind because his brother is just a snot-nosed punk for, like, a long, long period of film. But then you also have, like, the older sister that's just, like, evidently, like, can we go now? Can we go now? Can we go now? Can we go now? I want to go. I want to go home. I want to go home. I want to go home. She's like that kid. She's like the kid in the back seat. You're like, if you don't shut up, I'm going to turn this car around. And that's what she wants. So she's not going to shut up. And Lucy is, like, the only one that's, like, um... Maybe we ought to like give it a chance or, or, Hey, you know, let's actually do the right thing. And don't get me wrong. I mean, it's still great, but, but really and truly three out of the four kids are like the whiniest children I've ever heard in my life. And it just, it does kind of grate on you after a while, even though, yes, I do understand the whole metaphysical thing and the whole religious context and how that does actually play in. And the fact that they do come to their own where Peter does become the true leader that he should be and, and can inspire people to follow him and how, his brother actually does finally come around to understanding that you know family is everything and that you know there is a right and a wrong and he does choose the right and lucy even uh i mean not lucy but uh, i can't think of her name but the other girl realizes that she needs to step up too and support her 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 siblings and of course lucy's just being lucy luckily is like the only consistent character in the whole thing but really truly when it comes down to it that's like my other major major nitpick it's just these kids are so whiny it's like shut up and get on with it i agree i felt like that nitpick was a personal attack <laughs> no no you're not that bad but you're getting there leave joanna alone oh you <laughs> should see okay i can't say what i want to say no this is where i point out that this is again 
symbolic of all mankind because I get on my Facebook and I sit here and watch people moan and whine about vaccines and masks and people cutting them off in traffic and just every asinine thing that can go on. They're just people. Right. (laughs) And we don't want to give those people the keys to the kingdom. But they already do have the keys to the kingdom. Yeah. So, and that is the point. And no, 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 no. Oh. They, they don't technically have the keys of the kingdom. They have, they the, have, they have the potential. They have to the acquire. key. No, they, they have, have the, the key. Whether they use it to open it and step through the door, they have yeah, they, the key. They have the potential. Everybody okay. has we, the key. We, we were using kingdom different ways. You two are not on the same wavelength at all tonight. You're still on the religious. Yeah, side, you're right? still on the religious stuff. No, I, I was thinking because, more political because that is the, it's a religious book. But that's the point. It's a religious book. They have the keys to the kingdom. They how dash you, sir? How dash you? Yeah, I would be not a very good Christian if I didn't point out to our to our listeners. You have the keys to the kingdom. All you have to do is believe and accept Christ as your savior, and accept that you're a flawed person. You're one of these whiny kids, and ask for forgiveness and you can be a king or king or queen of Narnia, you can step into that role and have all the glory. That is the point. That's the whole point of the book. That's the whole point of the movie. That's the whole point of this whole world that we're in. So I would be remiss and I would not be doing my job if I didn't point that out. Speaking Uh, of, if you want to email us and talk, (laughs) we're always open. (laughs) It is time for the lightning round. Oh, no, 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 it's too soon. No, no, we're we're running late. We're almost at an hour already. Todd's got more, but he's going to have to fly through them in the lightning round. So let's everybody get our dice and roll for initiative. Wait, wait, no, I want to do the lightning sounds this time. Cocoon. And then there's an explosion. What? Okay, I can edit that out. No, leave it in. If he doesn't hear what he sounds like, he won't learn nothing. Good. What, <laughs> what is what is cocoon? I got a ten, so I'm right in the middle. It, it wasn't even like or, or anything that sounded kind of like lightning. It was just cocoon. I, I also have a ten. Oh. <laughs> And my re-roll is a 10. Oh, I got a 9. My re-roll is a 5. I got a 2. That's a what two. I get for doing the lightning sounds. So the 10 wins the day. Todd gets oh, to go yeah. first. 10. Oh, my goodness. And then I'll go second. And then Dave. And then Andrew. Wow. Wow. Okay. What did Joanna get? She just jumps Joanna, in whenever she wants. Joanna always gets 21. I'm officially banned from two casinos in Vegas for how often I get 21 at the blackjack table, too. <laughs> All right. Because she's special. I know yeah, you got a lot. Special. I know it's going to be okay. a challenge, but you can do it. Yeah. 30 right, seconds. So here we go. Ready? And 
Go. Uh, a little slow pace, kind of boring. Uh, it, it's so cold. Why, why is Edmund freezing, but Lucy is just fine? Uh, why is it it takes Peter to think, oh, finally, there are coats here. Why, why didn't somebody think of that sooner? Uh, do, beaver have, do beavers have pockets? Where exactly was beaver hiding that handkerchief? 15 years in Narnia, and they don't think about mom? Uh, from adults to kids, that's just kind of freaky. I mean, these, these kids grow up, they go through puberty, they might be sexually active, and, and yet they go back to being kids when they go through the, the wardrobe again. It's just kind of weird. Weird battle strategy. I don't have time to say why. <laughs> okay, I still got it all in. Good job. That was very impressive. It was a weird battle strategy, by the way. Well, it was mostly about the archers. It takes the archers so long to fire, and then they don't fire very much once they start. And the phoenixes, they should have brought those out right away, but they don't do those until there's already melee. It's, I, yeah, I, I thought the that was archers weird. in any battle is the key when you're at this time period. Okay, when you're restricted to bows... And swords and shields, the archers and the cannons are the key to victory. You can't just run at each other and wait for like five years for the archers to shoot. Like, no. Okay. Todd, I'm up next. 30 seconds. Ready? I am. And go. So, yeah, definitely a lot going on in this movie. A lot of spirituality, a lot of good stuff. Um, does it have its slow points? It does. It's a kid's movie. It's not necessarily designed to keep the attention of adults. Um, but that being said, fantastic fight scenes. I mean, to me, they're, they're up there with some of the best and they keep it clean. So I could watch all this with my kids. I can't watch Lord of the Rings with my kids. I can't watch Braveheart, but they can watch this and they can enjoy it. And really great quote. He says, you know, they come in greater numbers than we've far greater numbers than we have. And he says, numbers do not win wars. And he goes, yeah, but I bet it helps. Um, yeah. Sorry. I ran over. And Dave, you're up next. <laughs> Ready? Give me a moment. Okay. Do say something witty. Something witty. Okay. All right, and go. Uh, I, I, the promise isn't necessarily as big of a problem as I think Todd thinks that it is because I think it's actually far more generic. It's just that we don't assume that it's generic because you do you are watching these these four kids there. Because the prophecy really just says two two sons of Adam and two sons of two daughters of Eve, which could be anybody. It could have been anybody. Uh, which I'm sure plays into what Dave Dave was saying, which does uh, make sense. But I think it's one of those that it was meant to be anyone and you just you just get confused because these four whiny kids are there. <laughs> okay, Andrew, you ready? What? What are we doing? What? Cow! <laughs> <laughs> what are you, okay. Lightning McQueen? I mean, seriously, <laughs> I dude. Can make it all was Lightning McQueen. Cow! It's like what? It's like what the hell is cacao? Cacao. All right, Andrew, you got 30 seconds. <laughs> ready? Uh, why'd you say it's so aggressive? Okay. Are you ready? This is not a 17-hour show. Uh, are, are you ready? I mean, I suppose hypothetically I'm ready. Yeah, he's ready. Okay, okay. and go. Um, I like this movie. I mean, it was pretty good. It was definitely slow, but watching it in the background while you're doing other things is very entertaining. And just picking up things as you're like going along, very cool. But that was a good point earlier that any two, any like four kids could have done this, like me, Dave's kids, 
and my brother could have done it. And we probably would have done a better job, honestly. That's all I got to say. Maybe not Dave's kids. (laughs) No, 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 no. They're so cute that the enemy team will be submissive. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Can I take an OB Dave, though? Is that legal? So now it is time for us to rate this movie. Ratings. This is where we each kind of give our own rating system to let you listeners know how we feel about it as it compares to other movies and each of us has our own system i haven't figured out andrews yet but he'll give it to us as we go Uh, changes it every other week (laughs) honestly the first three toms it was by accident and now it's just like such a running gag i can't stop (laughs) so Andrew, start us off. What's your rating for this movie? Why do I always go first? Because we like making you go first. Well, originally you were going first because yours was numeric and Dave's was numeric. So you went adjacent to Dave. And then me with the middle, uh, the uh, letter grade system went in the middle and then Dave with the more verbal went last. So who knows where you should land now? (laughs) (laughs) But we're going to let you start off anyways. Go ahead. Oh, okay. If this movie was a book oh god <laughs> this movie was a book which it was originally. it would be one of the best books you've ever read but it would be 600 pages long and 300 pages are like forty-five thousand pounds so it takes a while to like get through and it's really tedious and it's kind of boring but it's well worth the payoff so that is the last could. time you get into the dog's medicine if you could skip it then it would be preferable. And Jax agrees with me. What the hell did you just say? Yeah, was there a grade somewhere in there? I don't think. All I heard was blah, 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 book, 45,000 pounds. I knew he was high on something. And then he goes, you could skip it if you wanted to. So I'm assuming the rating is you could skip it. Um. Well, okay, there's a better way I can put this. If this movie was a Chipotle bowl, Oh, give me strength. It would be like 60% lettuce, but you're like healthy, so you're going to eat it. And then 40% of it is really good. It's just real. It's it's like spread out, though, so you got to get to it. It's just annoying to go through the lettuce. Andrew, it's going bye-bye. Todd, what do you got? Wait, what? No. Well, I think Dave's next. Yeah, I'll go next. <laughs> Whatever. Somebody go. <laughs> um yeah, so this one's a little difficult for me to rate because as an older adult, are there moments where I'm kind of like, okay, yeah, this is definitely geared towards kids. Having a movie that I can sit down and watch with the kids and then review with you guys, though, is a plus because um, I can't do that with most of them that we watch. And for them to enjoy it even more than I do, I it lets me see that there is a positivity more than just what I would let on. So I'm going to give it an eight and a half out of 10. Um, it's kind of the half point because the kids love it so much. They, they would definitely rate it higher than I would. Todd, what you got? Okay, I know I had a lot of nitpicks and maybe even a couple I, I didn't get to, but like I said, none of those nitpicks are deal breakers. They don't make the movie horrible. They just make it kind of weird. But I also understand your points. It's a kid's movie and it's based on a kid's book. And so some of my nitpicks get a pass and blah, blah, blah. Because of that, I still give it a halfway decent grade of a B minus. Okay. 
All right, Dave, what you got for us? Uh, it's 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 a Saturday movie. It's nothing that I would pay matinee price or anything like that for now. But I mean, if it comes on TV, and and you've been flipping through channels, you're gonna stop. You're gonna watch it because it's still worth a watch. It's still it's still uh, like you know, like Andrew said, you know, if you're doing stuff in the background and this is on, you, you're not gonna you're not gonna feel too bad missing stuff, but you're not gonna feel too bad stopping and watching some scenes in it as well. So I mean, it's definitely a, a Saturday movie. I would encourage our listeners, if you did like the movie, read the book, read all the books. There's actually a whole series. I think there's seven, if I remember correctly. There's seven in the Narnia series. Ain't nobody series. got time for that. Um, they're very short. They're kids' books. Um, yeah, I think they're all of about 150 pages each. They, they go really quick, and we get to see these characters come back at different points in their lives and have very different religious experiences as they're dealing with this world of Narnia. So it's a great resource to use to introduce kids to this fantasy world, a great way to, to introduce them to some religion as well. Sadly, I remember growing up where people would say, you know, oh my goodness, if a story had magic in it, then you were automatically going to hell. You know, you just couldn't you suffer a witch to live and and all of that. And as guys growing up playing D&D and, and casting spells and doing all that fun stuff, uh, it's nice to have examples like C.S. Lewis and Tolkien to be able to, to look at and point to and see that this fantasy does have a place you know in in all of that so that's my big takeaway there um i will remind all of our listeners i said it at the beginning but would encourage all of you to email us at discerninggeeks at gmail.com let us know what you think of these books and movies you can also get on our facebook page the discerning geeks portal You'll see lots of updates that Todd posted about Dragon Con, and you'll see kind of posts from all of our different episodes that we release and some other cool stuff. And you can also tweet at us at Discerning Geeks. Yeah, at Discerning Geeks. Um, and we're going to finish up like we always finish up with the Wheel of Insanity. The Wheel of Insanity. <laughs> Find mm. out what we're going to watch and review next. Yeah, never survived this issue. Yay. <laughs> the number three. Oh. <laughs> three? Wow. wow. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Which we've already done. That was Captain America the First Avenger. So Lightning sounds cocoon. What is cocoon? Fifty-two. Cocoon. Oh, we did fifty-two. Also. I, was like, I thought we had already done fifty-two as well. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was what I was familiar with. There's got to be a better way to do it. Oh hell! <laughs> we got Dune. We got Dune. What is, is it, Dune? what is it? Is it Dune? It's Dune. Yes! <laughs> We've got Dune! Yeah, baby! Okay, so basically here's what's going to happen. For an hour, you're going to hear me and Dave talk about why this movie is the greatest freaking movie ever made of all time. <laughs> and Todd is just going to be like, all you're going to hear is, it's just... 
just Todd funking <laughs> his head against his desk, and Andrew just sitting there going, "I don't get it." Uh, but you know, just just to give you a heads up, is that the one where the sleeper has awoken? Yes, yes. Mm. the sleeper. It is the it is the it is the Dune movie in which people are actually dirty. Now, and the cool thing is, we'll be releasing that probably right about the time that I think the new Dune's coming out. Maybe a little mm. early, but it depended on how things kind of end up in sequence getting released. Worked out nicely. We'll be not uh, too far off of when the new Dune movie releases in theater. So, which better not suck because I'm going to tell you right now, I have I am had it up to like here when it comes to like. Dune movie since this Dune movie we're gonna do, which is the Ralph DeLawrence Dune. You probably mean Raffaella De Laurentiis, the producer of the movie. She's the daughter of Dino De Laurentiis, who was the executive producer of the movie. She's also the end of the network chef Jada De Laurentiis. Uh, just being made, and I'm like watching him going, this sucks, man. Thanks for stepping in, Giorgio. You pronounce the Italian name so much better than I do. It is my pleasure, my dear. Now come with me. I make you a hearty penne al forno. You are too skinny. Oh, Giorgio. You know how to feed and flatter a girl. Maybe somebody else should roll from now on. I've heard good things about the new Dune movie. Some of the like people who have gotten to watch the the, the reviewers who have gotten to watch early early releases are saying that it's it's very good. So Oh good. Um I, I'm excited. Uh, we might have to figure out a way to go watch that in the theater and, and do a This may be one of the few movies Todd refuses to watch. <laughs> he may just be like, I'm just doing the rundown and that's it. I got nothing else to say. I'm so excited. I love Doom. Uh, yeah, just any excuse to watch this film. Yeah. All right, guys, we're going to have to call this a wrap. I think we've lost Todd. He's just gone off and sulking mm. somewhere. He's, he's, <laughs> he's brooding, okay, with Joanna. <laughs> But yeah, we've got another great episode coming when we review Dune on our next uh, episode. It may not be next week, just depending on how some other episodes get released in between now and then. We've got some special episodes coming out, um, so just kind of be aware. Uh, I think we've got some episodes where Todd talks about Dragon Con, and we are trying to sneak in an episode of what Andrew what should Andrew watch as well? So we'll definitely see where this falls in the next few weeks, but I appreciate you guys listening. I appreciate you guys bearing with me as I wax a little religious this episode. I don't do that very often, but I definitely didn't want to leave this episode without doing it. Yeah. Sure. 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 You don't encourage all of you. Like Andrew said, Hey, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me, email me. I'll be glad to answer them. I hope you all enjoy and continue to enjoy whatever makes you a discerning geek. Gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. Have a great evening. Thank you for listening. The sleeper must awaken. <laughs> May the bad lightning sound effects be with you. Cuckoo! What the hell is cuckoo? Stop it! Jeez. Now say always, Todd. Always. Always. <laughs>